0: Well, good morning, everyone. As you guys can tell, I am not Pastor Kelly. I am far better looking. Um, Him and his... Oh, we're at the live service. Whoops. I said that at the 9 a.m. because he wouldn't find out. We're on the live service. Welcome, uh, Facebook Live people. Everyone say hi to the Facebook Live people. Glad to see you guys here, except we can't really see you. Uh, A lot of people are still practicing social distancing, so we are very... uh, We're very excited to have this technology, that way they can still stay uh, connected, because we do have a lot of people with uh, major health concerns and stuff that still aren't ready to come back to church, so glad that we can have the church online with you. Uh, Like I said, Pastor Kelly and Denise are not here this morning. They had a last minute, uh, great opportunity to go spend some time with their daughter and son-in-law, Tyler and Kennedy Richardson uh, Tyler and Kennedy actually are going to be moving pretty soon, and they've been wanting to be able to spend some time with them. And then it worked out really, really well that they were able to go over to a church that's serving that, and uh, in, actually in South Carolina. And then Pastor Kelly and Denise are going to kind of be like the honored guests there. So it uh, worked out really great. We honor them, and we're excited uh, that when they're away, that we get to have more fun. I'm just kidding; they have fun here too. So welcome to week three of the pandemic summer concert series. And again. This band is absolutely incredible, and if you guys had the uh, idea that we were following a certain pattern, as in Pastor Kelly started off uh, with week one, he sang a song. What was the song, he sang a song, and it was really, yeah. oh yeah, Aerosmith, how would we forget that, yeah, so uh, he sang week one, and then he preached, and then last week, uh, Casey repeated that uh, pattern, and he sang, thank you brother. He sang, and then he preached, and he did an absolutely incredible job. Uh, Here we are week three. We're not going to follow the same pattern, all right? I am not going to sing. I'm not going to make you endure that, all right? Listen, I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at, okay? If God would have made me more musically inclined, I would have been too powerful, okay? And God knew, like, this this one's too strong, okay? Some of y'all are really smart at the same things, and then some of y'all aren't very athletic. Like, God knew that he would make me too powerful like that, so... I know my weakness, I know my strengths. You're welcome for Pastor Bob singing and me not leading you in that song because it would have been terrible. Is anyone else like me and you have no idea what to do when you're listening to secular music? Like, I honestly just, we didn't listen to a lot of secular music growing up because my mom was extremely, uh, extremely, I want to say religious, but. Uh, that's not a great uh, example, but again, we just didn't, li- like, we weren't a musically inclined family, so we didn't listen to a lot of just other music other than worship, so when I'm listening to not worship music, I'm like, what do I, what do, I do with my hands, like, I feel like Ricky Bobby, like, I don't know what to do with my hands, like, so thankfully that I can clap, because if I can't clap, then I just look super, super awkward, um, but uh, stuck in the middle with you. I'm sure that Steelers' Will Wheel, Steelers Wheel had no idea when they released that song in 1973. Does anybody remember the release of that song? Wow. All right, so that was 47 years ago. Goodness gracious. I'm sure that they knew that when they released or they did not know when they released that song that 47 years later it would be so relevant now. We are stuck in the middle with you. One of the worst feelings to me is being stuck, Okay. Being stuck, I'm not really claustrophobic, but but being stuck, being restrained, confined, I uh, absolutely hate it. It was not too long ago that a man and I were riding a Ranger, and I ended up getting it stuck. I was, like, so frustrated, so mad, because I just I hate the feeling of being stuck. Again, that's a much more uh, physical sense of being stuck, but a lot of us can be stuck physically. We can be stuck mentally, emotionally, or even spiritually. Like I said, I'm, I'm a pretty high-torque dude. I'm pretty high-strung. My dad says that I'm uh he says, I have the grit of a bulldog and the patience of a whooper wheel. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what a whooper wheel is, but apparently they're not very patient. So um, it leads me into some hairy situations sometimes. But again, I'm a really fast-paced guy. I like progress. I like to be doing things. I do not like the feeling of being stuck. That's why I've not been crazy about this year. I've not been crazy about 2020 because if, if, we're, if we're not careful, we will have the mentality that we're stuck in the middle of this year. We're stuck in the middle of this pandemic. We're stuck in the middle of this election season, okay? If you're political or not, we can all agree that we're going to be excited when this election season is over with. We're stuck in the middle of uh, the coronavirus, stuck in the middle. We were stuck in the middle of quarantine. Uh, I'm very thankful for the area we live in right now because a lot of areas are still uh, strictly quarantined in in bigger cities. They're, They're feeling very confined, and I'm sure that they are feeling very stuck have you ever felt stuck, church? Is anyone in here a rhetorical question? Have you ever felt stuck? And again, I was talking about that more in a physical sense, but again, there's a lot more uh, scenarios that you can feel stuck, uh, feeling stuck. Uh, I, I talk to a lot of young people. Of course, Amanda and I are the student pastors here at Watch Bar Church. And I, I, I talk to so many young people that are just putting God on hold right now because they feel like they're stuck at school. They want to serve Jesus. They want to do his will. Do They want to follow him, but they feel stuck at school right now. They feel confined to school. They feel stuck. Some of you might be feeling that you're stuck at a job. Some of you might even be feeling that you're stuck in a relationship, stuck in this season of your life, and, and you think when it gets over, hey, then I can begin to follow Jesus. Then I begin, begin to do uh, what I'm called to do. Then I can begin to do all these amazing things, but we're feeling stuck right now. And the mentality that I want to break this morning, and this was not working first service, so let's let's see if it works this service. Bound. The first mentality I want to break this morning is I'm not stuck, I'm stationed. I'm not stuck, I'm stationed. Say it with me. I'm not stuck, I'm stationed. That's awesome. I'm not stuck, I'm stationed. Because if we're not careful, we can have that mentality. We can have that mentality of uh, being stuck and, and feeling confined. And not realizing that where we're at might be exactly where God wants us to be at. This is the exact attitude that Paul and Silas had in the prison. Actually, 9 a.m. I was saying Peter and Silas. And I totally messed that up. This is the exact attitude that Paul had truthfully throughout from ever since his change uh, when the Lord had blinded him. And then his conversion whenever he switched from Saul to Paul. This was his exact attitude Through his entire ministry, he was not stuck. He was stationed. Time and time again, he was thrown into scenarios that weren't results of his actions. It was just what the cards that he was dealt with, basically. But he had the mentality that he was not stuck, that he was stationed. If he had the mentality that he was stuck, and once he got out of that season, that scenario, uh, to where he could follow Jesus and do what he called him to do, we probably wouldn't have a large amount of the New Testament anymore, all right? Because a lot of the New Testament that he wrote, almost 25% of it, he was either writing from prison, writing from uh, very um, dangerous scenarios, very uh, uncertain times that he was writing that in. He was writing that because he had the mentality that he was not stuck, he was stationed. So back to the story, Paul and Silas, a lot of us know the story of them in prison. Um, Before I read that story, let me just step on a lot of toes real quick. And I'm wearing my uh, Timber... These are off-brand Timberlands, actually, never mind, so... These are the Branhams you can get at Walmart, son. Okay, and see how I got them. They're untied, and my pants are tucked in. That's a style now. So, if you need lessons in being cool, I don't only preach Jesus. I can help y'all be cool too. <laughs> really, really good at it, promise. But listen, a lot of one of the most frustrating things I've seen uh, in, in during quarantine, during the whole mask thing. Uh, and again, I'm not taking any sides here. Um, Over the quarantine or or the mask mandates um, or amongst all the other questionable calls by our government officials, again, both sides, uh, just not agreeing with that. Christians, I've heard a lot of them say that they're being persecuted. All right? That could not be one of the biggest insults to the disciples and what the apostles faced day in, day out. Guys, we do not know what persecution is, okay? Listen. I I myself have never had my life threatened for proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord, okay? Listen, we have not faced persecution like the modern day or the first early church faced. We church, we don't face persecution like a lot of Christians in this world today, okay? There are people still being martyred every day because they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, all right? That is what the persecution looks like. So I'm just saying we have to remind ourselves that um, they were put in far worse scenarios, far worse situations. Um, the worst thing that I've ever had to face is either someone looking at me different or maybe talking out uh, talking about me when I leave the room because of my beliefs, okay? That's not persecution, okay? Uh, so again, I just want to um, help you with that. If I can get an amen, that'd be great because I'm insecure right now. Uh, it's different when I have to ask for the amen, okay? So just... Without me asking, say amen again. Okay. Still didn't work. Still didn't work. All right, let's read the story. This is found in Acts chapter sixteen. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Again, the the text was absolutely microscopic earlier, and it's still a little bit harder to read. What'd you call it, Casey? The Sky Bible? The Sky Bible. That's amazing. All right, let's read. This is a little bit lengthier passage of scripture. Um but we'll get through it. Verse 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money. Um, it's a different version, so just bear with me. Um, she earned a lot of money uh telling different interpretations for her master and telling fortunes. She followed Paul and rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, Pause right there. He said to the demon within her, he knew who his enemy was. He knew that his enemy wasn't his neighbor. It was the spirit that was within her neighbor. Church, we have to remember who we're fighting, all right? There is so much friendly fire going on, and we have to remember that we are on the same team, okay? We have one common enemy, okay? And he's not Democrat, he's not Republican, okay? We have one common enemy, and that is the enemy, all right? So no more friendly fire. He turned to the demon within her, And he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten With wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Verse 24. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. I'm not sure if I'm tracking or not. Thank you, Manny. I'm just gonna continue reading here if y'all can stick with me. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped so he drew his sword to kill himself but Paul shouted to him, "'Stop, don't kill yourself, for we are all here.' "'The jailer called for the lights, ran to the dungeon, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. "'Then he brought them out and asked, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved?' "'They replied, we believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household.' "'So they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. "'Even at the hour of midnight, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds.' Again, he washed their wounds, all right? So many times in Scripture, I think we get caught up in reading the Scripture and going through it without stopping. These guys were beaten, all right? These guys were beaten. It says right there that they even had to care for their wounds so they wouldn't become infected. That's how severely that what these apostles, what these disciples had to go through day in and day out. That is what persecution looks like, church. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. So he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. How did this story start? They were stuck in prison. They were were put in prison for doing exactly what God had called them to do. All right? Thank the Lord that Paul and Silas are much more mature than I am, because if that's me in the scenario, that I go out and, and I do exactly what God tells me, hey, you need to go pray for that person. I lay hands on them, and then all of a sudden I get thrown in jail for it. I'm going to be like, what the heck, God? Like, are you serious? Like, I, I do exactly what you tell me to do, and then this is, the, this is what I get in return. This is the payment that I get. And, and if I'm honest, that's, that's a lot of times how I would react but again, Paul had this mentality. He, he knew the cost. They knew the rules. They weren't ex- expecting uh, God to just bend all the rules for them so that they could follow Jesus because if God laid out everything for us, that would not take a lot of faith, church. All right, It would not take very much faith to follow him at that point. But they knew the cost. They knew what was at risk, but c- they continued to proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Man, what if we had that mentality, church? What if we had that mentality that every season, every situation, no matter what the cost, come hell or high water, my life is threatened, if it's on the line or not, that I'm going to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, all right? If we could get that mentality, church, man, oh man, that would be absolutely amazing. There's another story that uh, um, later on, uh, that was Acts chapter 16, and later on in Acts 27, that Paul, again, has the exact same scenario happen to him, all right? Has the exact same scenario happen to him. I'm going to recap this one just for time. Um, he's still in prison. Uh, this time is a separate time in prison, and they're going to move him from location to location, and, and they're about to set sail, and Paul begins to warn the guys. He says, listen... He says, I I foresee, the Lord has shown me that if we depart right now, if we set sail, it is going to end in our demise, all right? It's going to be horrible. There's a storm approaching. There's a storm coming. Listen, we do not want to set sail right now. Uh, They ignore Paul, and and this is just one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's absolutely incredible. They ignore Paul. They set sail. Guess what? The storm comes in. The storm hits. Uh, Paul uh, is not the kind that says, I told you so. He's a little bit nicer of a guy. Actually, I'm pretty sure from what we gather from Paul, I'm pretty sure he was like, yeah, you idiots, you should have listened to me, all right? It's exactly what I try to tell you. I think, I think of all the apostles that we're going to get to meet in heaven, I think Paul is going to be the one that we least likely, okay? Let's be honest. Paul tells it like it is, all right? And a lot of us cannot handle it like it is, all right? And Paul is very honest and very blunt. So I'm sure in the midst of the storm, he's just standing there like, this is exactly what I said would happen, and now I'm really frustrated. So the storm comes in. They begin to remove the cargo. They're, they're trying to save their lives. And then all of a sudden they find, they find land and they set sail to it. Um, the storm's approaching. It pushes them onto the land. They become shipwrecked on this island of Malta. And then as they're getting out, these natives are, like, figuring out if they're friend or foe, trying to kill them. Um, So later on, they're they're still hesitant about them, but they allow them to come in, and they're sitting by this fire, and it's late at night. And Paul reaches for a piece of firewood, and when he reaches for the firewood, a snake grabs onto his arm and bites him. And i got to imagine that, like, he's just standing there like, really? This is exactly what I told you guys, all right? This is the crap that I'm dealing with day in and day out. And for some reason, no one will listen to me, all right? I would be a, I told you so about a I-told-you-so-about-a-thousand-times type guy. So he removes the snake. The venom has nothing, uh, does not affect him at all. God protects him during it. So then at first they think it's like some kind of sorcery, and then Paul begins to tell them about Jesus. After that, one of the tribe leaders ends up getting healed, and the whole island comes to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now listen, Paul could have very easily set his butt right on the beach and pouted the entire time. I told you so, I told you so. This is exactly what was going to happen. I didn't want to get on the boat. You guys made me get on the boat, and now we're stuck in this situation. But rather he had the mentality of, oh, well, I'm here. I might as well as tell some people about Jesus. Oh, well, I'm here. I'm going to be stuck here for a little while, so I might as well as remain stationed in this time and tell some people about the good news of Jesus Christ, all right? You can read through the entire book of Acts, uh, just in any more of the New Testament, and find story after story with the disciples having that mentality of not being stuck but being, being stationed. And I truly believe, like Casey said last week, that's basically why they turned the world upside down. That's why they were able to turn the world upside down, because they were not stuck, they were stationed, all right? They were not stuck, they were stationed. If we could get that mentality, guys, that we're not stuck, that we are here for a purpose, such as time as this, we have work to do in front of us, we could see the same difference, the same turnaround that the disciples seen. I'll tell you guys for one thing. I don't want to be just stuck in the middle of this year, okay? I don't want to be just stuck in 2020, just... Whew, that was a, you guys remember how in 2019 we're like, man, that was a year. I can't wait for 2020. It makes me laugh every time I think of it. Like, we're like, oh, this is going to be our year. Ha, sake. Um, No, I believe it is our year. But I don't want to be just stuck in the middle, all right? I don't want to be just stuck in this moment. I want to be stationed. And I know that we're in the middle. We're in the middle of this election time. We're in the middle of a, a pandemic, in the middle of just all this craziness, But you know what I'm starting to slowly learn about the middle? That's where God is. That's where God is. God is always in the middle, all right? We'll come back to this at the end. But do you guys know what I'm talking about, about being in the middle? I know I'm being a little bit abstract, but uh, in the middle is where we find our place often. We often find our places in in the middle of something. We're either in the middle um, physically, spiritually, emotionally. We, We often find ourselves being... In the middle, many of us in the middle right now, in the middle of maybe a marriage that's not going well, in the middle of um, uh, losing a loved one, they might be sick right now. As far as Amanda and I goes, we're in the middle of this custody battle that's very frustrating. We're in the middle of building a new home. Uh, On July 27th, if y'all don't know, uh, her and all the kids were hit by an 18-wheeler. Praise God, they're okay. But right now, I'm in the middle of this awful insurance ordeal where I have to stay on the phone with them for like half the day. And it's just so frustrating. And a lot of us find ourselves in the middle like that. In the middle of some season, some situation, some scenario that uh, we do not care for, if we can be honest. We do not like uh, I actually preached an entire message about being in the remember, middle. Anybody remember that, being in the middle? Wow, had a great impact. Awesome. <laughs> that, was, that, was quite a, that was a while back, so, uh, but it was cool. Like, 79 people got saved, um, so it was awesome. <laughs> Numbers aren't important. That's not important, okay? None of that's important. But I remember after teaching that message, a few weeks after, uh, a few weeks after I'd actually preached it, I was still thinking about it because I was still coming back to it, and, and, and God just kind of gave me a vision. It gave me a realization that no matter where we are, we're always going to be in the middle. We're always going to be in the middle. Because when I spoke, when I taught, I was like, if we can remain in the middle right here, if we can stay steadfast, you know, when we get through this, we're going to be better. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be, you know, closer to God and everything. And then I realized that we're all in the middle. Because you see that we we all do this, okay? We're, we're all very guilty of this. When I, when I make it to this place I'm going to be happy when I make it to this when I finally get this raise then some things are going to start to come in line when I finally find this girl when I'm not in the middle of being single anymore then some things are going to start and come to place let me give y'all just an illustration of how this works uh Casey come up here for a second and then I guess I'll use big Dave he's close come up here big Dave I'm about to make him sweat like no other he's already sweating right now (laughs) Anytime now. We're, we're not on a schedule or anything. Six feet. Six feet. Get over there. All right. So listen, right now I'm in the middle, all right? And Dave is going to represent the old me. He's horrible, okay? He's absolutely, he's got selfish tendencies, uh, you know, habitual sin. Listen, this, this is the old me right here, okay? Is anybody, is anybody got an old past you before God? Are we thankful for who God has brought us from, who he's changed us from? So listen, here's Casey over here, and this is who I aspire to be. I want to be like Casey so bad, guys. I cannot wait to lose my hair. It's going to be amazing. I'm just kidding. No, this is who, because we all have goals. We all have visions. God has planted those uh, within us to aspire to be something better, to be something greater. Uh, I, I want to be less selfish next year than I am right now. I want, to be le- I want to be more selfless next year than I am right now. I want to be closer to God next year than I am right now. All right? Those are things that I aspire to be. But for some reason, when I was preaching that, I was thinking that I was leaving my past self and that I was just going to go right on past and just be this perfect version of me. Listen, when I'm the perfect version of me, that's the glorious day that I'm hanging out with Jesus. Okay. but until that point, when I'm in this journey in the middle, could you walk a little bit, Casey? Follow us, Dave. Come on. The old me is always constantly changing, all right? I'm always getting better. I'm always breaking things off of me. God is always doing a work in me. But there's always something more. When I hit a certain point, it's not a graduation day, all right? There's another point to hit. Thank you, guys. You did good. So good. One day you'll be like me, Big Dave. But that's what happens. We get so caught up in the destination that we miss the journey. We get so caught up in where we want to be that we don't realize what God is doing in the middle right now. He is wanting to do a work through some of you guys and you're thinking that you're in the middle, that you're stuck here and you can't wait for God to be with you when you get out of here. And I'm so, off, I'm so far off my notes, we're just gonna roll with it. Praise God. We have this, now listen, I'm about to turn on full preacher mode. I should probably tie my boots because one time I lost my shoes when I was running and it was real bad. It was uh, it was uh, Peyton Steele. Kicked him in the face with my Birkenstocks. I did not mean to. That was one of our uh, Holy Ghost nights. But, anyways, you guys think I am kidding? No, nah, it was real deal. We get so tied up with thinking that God is just going to rescue us out of this thing, and like if we can reach a little bit more, if we if we can just uh, just crawl and, and claw a little bit more, and we're trying to reach up to Him when he's the one that's holding us right here, okay? He is the one holding us, all right? He's not the light at the end of the tunnel. He's with you guys in the middle right now. Somebody give him some praise because he's in the middle with you. Amen. So to recap, we're not stuck. We're stationed. We're not stuck. We're stationed. It's okay to be in the middle because in the middle is basically a place that we're going to be until we get to be with Jesus, but God is with us. So stuck in the middle with you. Stuck in the middle with you. Who are you in the middle with right now? Again, I know that we're in the middle with God. We're going to come back to that in a second. But when we ask that question, who are we in the middle with? Who are we spending our time with? There's a lot of different avenues we could go down. The first thought I think of is Pastor Kelly. He preached a message right when a a man and I became uh, the student pastors here. He came down and preached. And he said, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Man, it... It messed with me. It totally messed with me. And I, myself, am not very educated on a re- recovery programs. That's why I am so thankful for Danny and Melody McNeil and Scott and Jackie Shaw and the people that he has uh, given us and placed here. Because, uh, again, they know the steps that I don't, and that's absolutely incredible that they're doing what they're doing. And I don't know much about the change, about the, the process, but uh, I do know this. If you, want, if you want any change, if you want any habit, whatever it is, to be removed from you, and not even an addiction, just a habit, if you want a, a different way of thinking, if you want any of that, the first things you've got to change is the relationships around you, okay? The relationships around you. Take a good, hard look. Are these people making me better, or are they holding me back? There was a Sunday night here years and years ago, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Pastor Nick McSpadden came here, and uh, he pointed at me, and I was just boohooing. Like Me and my mom, we'd always come to like the revivals and just cry together. And it was a lot of fun. But anyways, I remember he pointed at me, and he said, turkeys sit with turkeys, eagles sit with eagles. And I knew at that point, I knew exactly what he was saying to me. I knew that I had some friends that I had convinced myself, God, these are the only Jesus that they're going to have in their lives. That's why I got to stay here. But I knew at the same time that I wasn't giving them Jesus. They were giving me whatever they had, and it was holding me back. And I, I had to make a very, very hard decision at that point. Am I going to follow God at the risk of uh, keeping all these friends or uh, losing all these friends around me, or am I going to choose them? And again, that's, I think that's a pivotal moment in my life. It seemed so small and insignificant at the time, but I can look back and see that I began to make a difference in my life at that point. So we know the importance of our friends and we know the importance of uh, the relationships, who we spend time with. I've seen so many people like during the quarantine, they were like, uh, I love my wife when I married her, but I didn't, I didn't think I'd have to spend time with her and stuff like that. Listen, you threatened me with spending like six months at home with my wife. That's like the greatest thing ever. That's going to be amazing, okay? I like. I wasn't even looking for an all right there. Amanda and I, we just love to spend time together. I'm so very thankful for that. But as much time as I spend with some of my closest friends, as much time as I spend with my best friend, there are still moments in my life that I'm still alone. We're all going to have those, all right? There's moments in our life that we're going to be alone. And that's why we have to realize that no matter where we are, no matter what we're facing, that God is with us right there. Church, there's been something so heavy on my heart that we have to raise our awareness for the presence of God. That's what I've been praying over my young people for so long now. We have to raise our awareness for God. Again, like I said, we keep looking for him and looking for him in the sky and everywhere else, and he's right here. He's right here next to us. Uh, He's so uh, just closer than the next breath, closer than what we can imagine in his presence that it can be tangible. It can feel just so very real once you experience him So uh, I'm about to close and I just feel again like God laid this next thing uh, really close to my heart. Um, Pastor Casey asked last week um, a question that absolutely just wrecked me. He said, would Jesus recognize this church? Would Jesus recognize this church? or have we, have we gotten so far from what he intended the church to be? And again, I don't think, you know, we're talking about this church, but I'm talking about the church, okay? The church right now Uh, In America, any church representing, would Jesus recognize this church? And I'd like to propose another question Would we recognize Jesus? If Jesus came back right now, would we be able to recognize him? Or if we got so tied down to our own personal opinions, the Pastor Ben version of Jesus that likes the things I like and hates the things I hate, would I be able to recognize Jesus if he came back in his true form? And I know that you're just blown away that I'd ask you this question, but I'm going to remind you that any time Old Testament knew that an angel of the Lord would appear or Jesus himself would appear, first he had to say, don't be afraid, and then he'd have to identify himself uh, to say, I either come in peace or anything like that, all right? So again, I don't think it's too of a preposterous question. Would we recognize Jesus? It makes me think of this uh, scripture in the book of Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 is the actual scripture and I don't have it up here but uh, the Joshua you know Moses has passed away Joshua is the new leader and uh, God tells him time and time again don't be afraid I'm with you don't be afraid I'm with you and this angel comes with a sword drawn and they come up to him and they say are you for us or are you against us and the angel of the Lord says no the angel of the Lord says no he says are, are you friend or are you foe and the angel says no I think that that's what God is saying right now, all right? Are, are, are you for us or against us? And God needs to know, I'm with you. Are you with me? Okay? I'm with you. Are you with me? When God comes back, we're not going to say, are you No, no batteries? I'm going to get this other mic. Oh, that was good, too. I was getting right in the juicy stuff. Praise God. No, so they come to him, they say, are, are you friend or are you foe? And I think that's the question right now. It's not whose team is Jesus on, it's are we on Jesus' team, okay? Because when he comes back, he's not going to come back as a Republican, he's not going to come back as a Democrat, probably not going to come back as a, an American white version that we think he is, all right? So whatever his form is, are we going to be on his team, all right? I don't think God is raising up leaders in this time right now. Hear me out for a second, hear me out. God has placed leadership potential, and and a lot of us, leadership qualities, we need leaders in the church, but I don't necessarily think that's what he's doing right now. I think he's just looking for some followers. I think he's just looking for some followers, okay? Not putting our opinions on people, not putting uh, our theories on people, but just truly believe in Jesus in his true form. Are we going to follow him? Go ahead and stand. truly don't know how to close this service out, honestly, to, except just to pray for each and every one of us that whatever the rest of this year throws at us, that we're not going to have the mentality that we're just going to wait it out. We're not going to have the mentality if they're going to ride it out, we're going to make the most of every single situation, every scenario. Whatever, if another COVID rise hits or if another quarantine cracks down, I don't care because God is going to use me and he's going to use this church in a mighty way. If we allow it and we have that mentality, well, we got to decide, church, are we going to be with him? Are we going to follow him? Whatever the cost, whatever the scenario, whatever whatever it may sacrifice from us, are we going to follow him? If he comes back in the version that we think he needs to come back in, if he, come, if he doesn't come back and smite down the enemies that we think he needs to smite down, are we still going to follow that Jesus, the true Jesus? Bow your heads for a second, please. Spirit, just begin to have your way in this place. Lord, you know every need of every person in this place. Lord, you know every need. Lord, you know every situation that they're walking through right now. Maybe even like Jill said earlier, they kind of thought that they were going to be out of this season, out of the middle of this. But God, it seems like they're still facing that wall. I might have shared this a couple weeks ago, but for some reason, uh, for some reason, it's coming back to me right now. Um, Does anybody remember that really good Christian movie, Click, with Adam Sandler? It was not. It was not. It was not a good Christian movie. All right, but Adam Sandler is funny. And the the gist of the movie was he was going to fast forward through all the seasons, all the parts of his life that he didn't like. He was going to fast forward. I think it was just like a promotion or, or. Got in shape, or something like there's a couple different scenarios that he was just going to click the fast forward button and he realized that he had clicked it and he had wasted just his entire life away. He missed his entire life. Church, if we don't realize that God is doing something in the middle, right here, right now, if we stay waiting on Him, we're going to miss a lot of precious time that we're not going to get back, all right? God is wanting to do something in the middle right here and right now. If we allow Him, if we change that mentality, if we're stationed here, we're a state, we are going to our job for a reason. We're going to our school for a reason. We are in the family that we are in for a reason. All right, God can use each and every one of us right where we are because He is with us every step of the way. So just go ahead and bow your heads again. We're talking about this Jesus and I I don't, want ever, I don't want to ever miss an opportunity for someone to receive Jesus, to know the love of Jesus, the grace that he offers, the redemption that he offers. If you need in this moment, if you realize that you don't know the Jesus I'm talking about or that, that you just feel a disconnect from him and you'd like to be confident you know that you know that you are uh, connected to Jesus, that he lives and resides in your heart, he calls your heart home. If that's you, I just want you to, uh, to lift your hand up real quick. Don't want to miss this opportunity. Anyone at all. Anyone at all. Praise God. Praise God. Everyone in here knows Jesus. That's amazing. I think if I can go ahead and get my prayer team to come on up to do this in the first service, but again, I don't want to, I don't ever want to brush past or miss an opportunity, and I don't really know what time we normally get out of here, but I think we still got some time. Um, If you're in the middle of a season right now, if you're in the middle of a situation, again, God knows exactly what you're going through. I probably have no idea, but God knows exactly what it is. If you're in the middle and you need to realize that He is there, if you need your awareness raised of Him If you just need someone to lock hands with and say, I know that God is right here with me, but I really don't feel him. I really feel like things are about to break. I really feel like giving up. I'm not really seeing the point right now. What's the point of fighting? What's the point uh, of trying? Because it seems to all backfire on me anyways in the end. Whatever the situation is, whatever the scenario is, Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on. And I believe that this prayer team can share the words and lock our faith with yours and you can experience a change. I'll be honest, your situation might not change when you walk out of here, but I can guarantee your mindset can change. How you perceive the scenario, how you perceive the situation will change because you know that God will be with you. If that's anyone else, they're already coming and I promise you we'll find more people to pray with you. If there's anyone in here that needs prayer for that, if you could just go ahead and find your way forward. Come on down here to the altar and let us pray with you.